Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Go Up Podcast Edition. Where we explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We are your hosts. I'm Dean. And I'm Kratos. We're close again, which must mean... That we have a guest. Yay! Uh, hello. hello. This is Nolan. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks Nolan. for having me on your show. Nolan Van Dopp. Mm-hmm. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I always feel odd sitting beside you for some reason. I don't know why. I don't do anything to make you feel uncomfortable, you know those, do I? Those people who, when you sit next to them on the plane, yeah, and the armrest thing, right? Hogging both armrests. I've now moved over to your armrest. What do you do? What is the etiquette on the... The etiquette here on Let's Go Up is that there's a line <laughs> right here. <laughs> Honor, is, the line. <laughs> Honor the line. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'll have to move my whole microphone over then, moving to an appropriate don't, distance. Don't drop that one. <laughs> No, that's yeah. not a mic drop. <laughs> wow, Nolan. So we've known each other for a few years. Yeah. We used to go to the same church together. And okay, so I ran into you in a grocery store. Yeah, that's right. Okay, this is a funny story, Dean. Okay. Okay, I haven't seen Nolan and his wife Pam in a while. Okay. A few years, I'd yep. say. Yeah. And I see Nolan and Pam in the grocery store in their pajamas. In and, their pajamas. And you you know you yeah. can tell when someone's trying to just be quick and not like... <laughs> be noticed avoid they eye just contact had that like body cost. language so of course it was like nine o'clock at night uh, we won't run into anyone we know no, that's right but, and i could just tell they don't want to run into anyone they know so yeah. of course i find the aisle they're going down the and run cream. into them it's the ice cream aisle. <laughs> it, was the, it was an important trip it was an important trip yeah <laughs> of course you would yeah make was, them face up to the fact that they're wearing pajamas in the ice cream aisle in the ice cream aisle. personally I, I was jealous i was wearing my walmart outfit at the time so <laughs> but, you, but you weren't but I in was walmart on foods yeah <laughs> so anyhow. i had that deer in the headlight look oh hello Chris. yeah how, so, how are you yeah how's it going <laughs> yeah. yeah so they bought their ice cream and so we ran into you again another time no oh. pajamas this time okay no pajamas. <laughs> Yeah, I learned my lesson the first time. Yeah, day. and you know, there's just been this notable shift in your life Yeah, as far as your walk with the Lord. Mm. And I thought, hey, Nolan needs to come on, let's go up. Nolan has gone up. <laughs> I have leveled up. And we're yeah. going up today. Awesome. Yeah. So, Nolan, we're a week away from Christmas. What's your favorite Christmas memory? I have lots of Christmas memories, but Christmas to me is always family. When I was a child, we used to travel up to a small town called Clinton, Mm-hmm. It's in British Columbia. A lot of my extended family used to live up there. Town's very small, maybe 700 people or so. Oh, Dean. 700 people. Yeah. Is this bringing back memories? Definitely. <laughs> I grew up in a town of 700. Yeah. Central Alberta. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we just gather and, and we do all sorts of stuff, playing in the in the snow, tobogganing, yep. just getting into you know mischief, a bunch of little boys running around, enjoying each other's company. And grandparents had this huge place where we'd partake in festivities, Mm -hmm. big feasts, lots of Dutch treats. (laughs) Tell me about the hardware store in Clinton, British Columbia. Oh yeah. So it's the early bird. It was the early bird. Early bird. Yeah. This place had everything that you needed in a hardware store. Amazing how you could fit all that stuff. Our little town, same thing, like one hardware store, old school. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Everything that you could find. (laughs) If you couldn't find it there, you didn't need it. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, there's so many different types of people that live around, like farmers. And yeah. So you'll have your chicken wire and fence posts. Everything. Everything yeah. you, you know, but little bits of it. Not yeah. like a ton of it, but yeah. just enough to get you by. 
Yep. And of course, this town had like two gas stations. One at each end. One at each end. Yeah. One uh, general store. Yeah. One, one general bank. store. And then three or four coffee shops. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In case they got your first order wrong. Yeah. You can just then yeah. go to the next one. And just like, I always okay. wondered when you live in a town like that, which one are you going to choose? Oh, let's go down to the parkies in the center of town this time. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. We also had one Chinese food restaurant. Oh, this place did too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> they also served burgers there too. It wasn't okay. just Chinese, but it had the Chinese uh, logo on nice. the front of it. Right. Yeah. So fun in the snow? Fun in the snow. Yeah. We had these GT racers. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. They had like three sleds. Three the one, sleds. One like in the one front. that you steer. Yeah. That's right. And, and the two, two in, in the back. back. Yeah. yeah. And these things were dangerous, of course. <laughs> that time, the parents didn't really care. As long as the kids were outside having fun, they just gave us these things and so we'd race down these hills. It seemed like you'd go like Mach 10 down, <laughs> you know, it was so fast. And my grandma lived at the top of town. So there was a big hill. And then there was like one of the intermediate roads that we'd race down the hill. And we have to cross the road full, you know, speed. And then the second part of the hill went down towards the survive, number one highway. So if, if you, you survive the you, first. If you survive the first one, yeah. So you don't have to make sure there was no cars coming, of course. Now, but. did the second one reach the highway or just get Well, there was a bit close. of a ditch there. So if you get to the, all the way to the bottom, you're wiping out in the ditch. Yeah, pretty close to the highway, yeah. Oh, man. I remember you telling me about... At your grandma's place, you had this huge staircase, and how many cousins did you guys have? Yeah, yeah. There's 34 cousins on that side of the family. Yeah. We had this great big house that my grandparents uh, owned. It was actually a home for mentally challenged people, and it's the first privatized one in British Columbia, actually, mm. that they had opened. Oh. And so we'd all get there because it was the biggest house, and they had this ginormous tree, probably like 20 feet high, mm. and then two staircases, and it was just lined with gifts. So every person had their own step. So what would happen if you were on the very top step? Yeah, you're probably waiting like four (laughs) hours to open your gifts. It wasn't like a free-for-all. We all had to take turns opening a gift at a time, and which was excruciatingly painful. Savor the gift. Savor it, yeah. Act yeah. like you care. Pretend that we <laughs> like what, you know, little Jenny's getting. We're like, whatever. Can't wait Looking for mine. Looking at your and step, like, counting. Oh, 10 steps away, gosh. <laughs> right, I guess so they, did yeah. all 34 cousins stay overnight in the same big house? No, not really. A bunch would, but we'd just be staying at various places, like aunts and uncles or grandparents okay. or, yeah. But we never had to rent a hotel there. There was always room for everybody, which was nice. Nice. So, yeah. So did this little tiny town have one of those population tickers on the welcome sign that they had to crank up every time your family showed up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd like increase it by like 10%. <laughs> the bad dogs are here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Great memories. Snow memories. I lived in a town in central Alberta called Three Hills. And one of the hills, because there were three hills, was really long. We would put tire tubes and we would tie them together and away we'd go down. It was probably a good kilometer. Wow. And then the snowmobiles would tow us back up again and we'd go again. That's so cool. Whole kilometer. It was like riding on an air cushion. Did you ever throw anybody off while you were going down just for fun? No, No. No. (laughs) we were going too fast. Oh, were you? Okay. It was like a big train yeah yeah the way yeah. you'd go my family would do something like that they would throw you <laughs> off because that that's funny watching funny. yeah he's hurting himself now what's yeah. that game people would play in the water where they try to knock the other person off the shoulders of the other yeah 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 it's uh, like that but on tubes, on on tubes. tubes. <laughs> going down mach wow. 10 whatever yeah <laughs> leave you halfway yeah <laughs> the rest of us go the rest of the way so nolan what are your first impressions of faith well, I grew up in an environment where 
you know, my father would always have the Bible open at dinner time. After dinner, we, he would read a passage, and we would have to know exactly the story he was reading to us. Okay. Going to church every Sunday, which was fine, because I always got a pocket full of peppermints, and <laughs> we'd all sit together. And I just remember having to somehow stay awake through the whole hour that the church service was uh, going on. And back at that time, like one hour church service was, if it dragged out any longer, people were already looking at their watches. Mm -hmm. So it was very regimented. You had an opening prayer and then your 15 minutes of worship music yep. and your half an hour mm -hmm. sermon. And, and then after you're out at soup and buns on Sunday. Yeah. We used to call the whole service, the worship service. The singing wasn't called worship like we call it now. We would call it the song service. Yep. So we would have the prayer and we'd have the song service, the announcements, the sermon, and then the last song. Yeah, always the last song, yeah. yeah. I remember so clearly on the front of the church on both sides, we had a poster board and they would post on there the attendance and they would post on there the amount of giving. Oh, really? Post on there the oh. songs that they were singing, like okay. the numbers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I used to sit there amused by those things. I used mm -hmm. to look at them because of course you're a kid and you don't know what else to, to look at. There's another thing my sister and I used to do. This is coming back to me now, all right? <laughs> we used to take out the hymnals. Yeah. And we used to go to the index in the back and we used to look at the hymns and we used to try to find which was on page one because there's a list of about four or five pages. Like where's the number one song? And then you would look through it and try to find one and then try to find where the number two song was, number three. Yeah, yeah. That would keep us amused. Oh, interesting, yeah. The Psalter <laughs> hymnal, right? Yes, right. Yeah, as yep. we had a Psalter hymnal. Psalter hymnal, mm. yep. Yeah. My question is, these Dutch mints, are they like caffeinated mints or something? Because these Dutch people, they always have mints, always. I, I don't know if it was caffeinated. But but maybe the, that's what I was missing. It was, uh, how we're staying yeah. awake. It, it is usually for us, it was the chalky ones, like the king peppermints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're right. the best. But sometimes my mom would get cheap and buy the scotch mints. Oh. But you just knew as soon as the pastor sat in, after saying the congregational prayer, you could hear people getting into their pockets and rustling <laughs> around and you hear crunching and people just get yeah, you know, settled see, into This the, is the whole world I know, didn't understand yeah. until I started going to the church where I met you and lots of Dutch people there. Yeah. I yeah. did not know mints were a thing. Oh, mints yeah. were a thing. I started to notice this pattern. Yeah. These old ladies continually would just turn around and hand me mints. Some mint pack would come down the pew. Who knows where it even started, but someone took one and then they pass it along. That's a generous person. See, I wouldn't take my package out and pass it along. I would guard that with my life. It's supposed to last me half an hour, right? And you're right. There were two kinds. Yeah. There were the sort of chalky ones. That's right. And those were crunchy. Yeah. And then there were the ones with the soft, chewable kind of center the and then there was the mystery yeah. mint that someone would randomly take from their pocket loose one particular lady the kindness of her heart would always take out mints just loose in her pocket and you don't really know what they are because they're covered in lint lint, lint and they're balls. kind of yeah, moist yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i'd probably still eat it it's like tempting yeah <laughs> so as you moved on in life up into your teens and out of school out into the work world what did your faith look like then? Well, first I had a Holy Spirit moment I'd like to share with you. And it happened okay. when I was about 15 years old. This same town of Clinton, my aunt is a pastor there. A little church in the center of town. It's called Living Waters Christian Fellowship. Mm. It's not a very big church. And at the time, maybe there was 30 people that regularly attended this church. And so there were people going up to the front and there was a couple of the, the elders and they were praying over them and they were falling over. And I was fascinated, like, mm -hmm. what's going on here? Like, 
people are flopping down and then they're getting up and coming back to their seat. And I just felt this urge and this prompting, go up there, go up there. And I didn't know what it was. It was kind of like, oh, I really want to, but I'm so nervous. Like I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to step out and take that challenge. So I, I said, Lord, if you really want me to go up there for a prayer, you have to give me a sign. Like mm-hmm. as I'm trying to barter with them, right? <laughs> if you give me a sign, then I will go up there. And one of the fellows that had gone up there and he had been prayed over, he fell over. After several minutes, he got up and there was just something on him that I couldn't quite identify it at the time, but he was glowing. And he actually walked past his family, do to do right to my row. And he walks in and I'm like, oh, he's coming towards me. And he leans over and he goes, hey, young, young man, I think you should go to the front and receive some prayer. So I thought, whoa, okay. There's my sign. There's my sign. That's that. <laughs> So I did, asked. I asked and, and I'm like, all right. So I went up there and, mm. and my aunt saw me and she's like, well, how can I pray for you? And I didn't know how to articulate it. So I just pointed at that person. I'm like, I want that. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I was prayed over and I just felt this moment of glory hit me and mm. I, like a wind. And I felt kind of weightless. And before I knew it, I was actually laying on the floor and tears are streaming down my face. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And that really cemented my faith at the time. I knew then, okay, God, you are real to me. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful experience. But then sort of moving on from that, you know, get older and, you know, went through school and kind of got onto a few things I probably shouldn't have, but I always believed. So kind of moving on out of school and into life, as you call it. I had a strong faith, still made it to church, but I kind of compartmentalized my faith with everything else I did in life. Put it in a box and right. he's in the top drawer, I guess, but um, my work is beside it. That's kind of how I lived my life for several years. It didn't take very long for me before I found my wife, uh, Pam. She actually found me. I saw her speaking in front of a church. She kind of caught my eye and those things kind of progressed quite quickly in life and we settled down. We got married and we have three beautiful kids now. She was a teacher, but she had this passion for speaking in front of crowds and she loves the Lord and she has a great way of throwing messages together. Yeah. Pam is an amazing communicator. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I see her speak, there's just so much anointing on her. Yeah. So that's interesting. You were sitting in the church watching her speak. Did you just go and introduce yourself to her afterwards? Oh no, or? I'm a big chicken. I did oh, not okay. at all. No, she infiltrated my family. She became friends with my sister first. Oh, okay. And then then through that, he was like, so about your brother, she actually asked me out. Oh. Yeah. At the time I thought, well, it's not very traditional, but that's okay. I dug it. It was kind of neat. Yeah. She took the first step. Mm. And then once she saw I was interested, she held back. So then I had to kind of fight for that. <laughs> now you have to yeah, work. Now I have to work for it. All right. <laughs> I, all right. I, I get it. It's easy, but. <laughs> so was there any defining moments in that stage of your life, anything that you could point to that would say, that really changed me or? I have quite a, a few things. I mean, how much time do we have really? <laughs> there was a time in my life where I, uh, I really struggled with probably my self-esteem. And also through that, I struggled with substance abuse. Some of the fellows I was working with and for, they like to drink beers after work. And I kind of fell into that sort of category of like, yeah, okay, a couple of social drinks is not going to harm anybody. Right. It just became almost like a way of life. Like who cares? After work, we'd be sitting around having one or two, well, one or two turned into six or seven. And it just became like almost daily. And it was almost like I was living in two lives. I told myself I deserved it. And I come home to the wife, you know, and with the kids at the time. And I just kind of repeated this process for probably about 10 years. Incidentally, this has happened to me just a couple of weeks ago. There's a bay in the back where I work. 
I'm aware that the guys from our work go back there and drink, like usually on Fridays, usually the last day of the week. But I was back there last week and there were four or five big sized garbage cans full of beer cans. I was like mm. aghast. I was like, how? Good word, I, how, aghast. <laughs> It's a let's go upward. Let's go upward. <laughs> we like words. You realize here. one person didn't drink those four. No, four I realize that, but of... still, even if it was 10 people or, or 20 people, it was overwhelming to me. Anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah. carry on. <laughs> carry on. Sorry. Yeah, I know, just... that, that's a lot to drink, but I think when you're an alcoholic, you gain a tolerance. I know there was a time when I could probably sit down and drink a dozen. Mm. But yeah, it was just a culture I created for myself and it kind of insulated me and actually separated me from my family a little bit. Like I knew that it was like a wedge between my wife and I, and she knew she would never chastise me, but she would be like, you know, I think we really need to talk. It's kind of going too far, but I always brush her off like, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. This is how I wind down. This is how I relax. Mm -hmm. And I justified it. And then, uh, yeah, one day I went to a BC Lions game with a couple of friends. We were going to take a cab in, but we waited on one friend and he was coming late. And before we knew it, the game was about to start. And I'm like, forget it, I'll drive. So I drove him into town. Anyways, long story short, driving back after partying it up and going to a bar afterwards. Mm. I'm driving home and I got mm. pulled over and then instant DUI. And all of a sudden, just in that one blink, my whole world just came crashing and folding in on itself. I saw my truck getting hooked up to a, a tow truck. It got towed away. And then the police actually drove me home. And I don't know if that's a normal thing to do, but the officer pulled up into my driveway with his lights flashing. He made sure the lights were flashing. Sure enough, there was Pam at the door to receive me. And I was just crushed. I felt I was about this big, you know, mm. just tiny. I knew I messed up and I didn't know how to go back from that. My wife at this time, she was six months pregnant with my last son. She showed me so much grace. She didn't get upset. She just brought me inside and they sat on the couch and I wept and I apologized and I apologized. And she uh, just kept rubbing the back of my head. Like I was like literally crumpled over. And the only words that came out, out of her were something has to change. Mm. So I got on my knees and, and I said, Lord, I, I'm a, I'm a mess up. I'm a screw up. Mm. Where, where do I go from here? I had to rebuild a relationship with my wife first, mm. and I had to rebuild a relationship, which I thought was going to take a lot longer than it did with my Lord and Savior, Jesus. Mm. But he was waiting for me. Yeah, yeah, he always waits for us. <laughs> yeah. With the arms open wide. That's right. <laughs> I knew I had to change, and so I started changing. And it was incremental at first, but slowly I, I just kept leaning in a little bit more mm -hmm. and a little bit more, and I started reading scripture. I never read my Bible. I had a Bible given to me. This one here actually was given to me when I did my profession of faith at the age of like 20 mm -hmm. and I never opened it. It's it still in shelf. pristine it was still condition. In pristine condition. <laughs> yeah. And even now to this day, I'll come across chapters in the Bible where I haven't read a whole lot and its pages are still sticking together. Like mm -hmm. it's brand new. I finally opened it up and, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm going to start reading my Bible. And now it's become part of my life. It's mm -hmm. like, Drinking water is like breathing in air. So Nolan, I guess I probably met you, I'm going to say seven or eight years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say from that time to now, there's been such a profound growth curve in your life. Like I've seen you go from a rather sort of traditional person, even in your faith, to somebody who is actually radically in love with Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in knowing what brought you there? You love to worship. 
you're in love with Jesus, you carry him wherever you go. You have a passion to see people healed. That's right. You pray for people for healing. There's all kinds of cool things about your life. Probably a lot of those things are the inspiration that you felt when you felt oh, no yeah. one to come on. So yeah. just like this atmosphere around yeah. you. Yeah. And even you had made some comment how you see things and people different. That's right. Like you never used to see people the way you see people or situations the way you see situations now. Yeah. Just this huge shift. It has been a tremendous shift. I wish that there was like a watershed moment mm -hmm. that had brought this on. If I look back, I can see these incremental steps mm -hmm. that allowed me to see Jesus in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. Allowed me to see who the Holy Spirit is in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite kind of watershed moments actually would have been a men's retreat. I love men's retreats. They're great. And an old classroom friend of mine was um, the one leading the men's retreat. He shared a verse with us. And I wonder if I can read that for you guys. Yeah, please. Yeah. 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 Second yeah. Corinthians three verses 17 through 18. You know that you're reading like my favorite verses in the entire Bible, <laughs> yeah. right? It, it is your favorite verse. This, this is my verse. This too. is like it's in the top hundred or no, this is, <laughs> this is top three for me. Top three. Yep. Okay. Top three. So now the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, he gives freedom. And all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Yeah. Oh, so oof. he had us, hey. he had us read that as a group collectively, but he says, I want you to take that verse and I want you to take three minutes to read those two verses. Take the full three minutes mm. and take every word that's being spoken to you mm. and just reflect on it. So that's what we did. And it was quite profound for me that that moment, that evening, he introduced what we called a prayer chair. And so he placed this chair in the, the center of the this little room. And so fellas, here is this chair who wants to be prayed for. And then he kind of left it like that. It's like, like <laughs> okay. That, that's what we, that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what we experienced. Like all of us are kind of looking at each other going, what? Aren't we just supposed to be entertained by our leading guest speaker here? So it took one brave soul to go up. He's like, all right. And the big burly guy sits down, lay it on me. I want to be prayed for. And we're all looking at the speaker like, okay, now you can pray for him. He goes, no, 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 no you guys pray for each other. So reluctantly, a couple of fellas go up there and start praying for him. And some just shifted in that room. The atmosphere. The atmosphere. I can, I can only guess. Yeah. Who, what made this atmosphere shift? Um, it was powerful. <laughs> like you have to understand, this is a Christian reformed church. And a lot of these men, they don't have a language that describes their heart for the father. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very hard for them. They're Sunday Christians. Like I, when I say a Sunday Christian, I mean like you have God for Sunday right? and the rest of the week is yours. It never was a very common practice to go and pray for a brother. Like, you know, like I would do with any one of my guys that works for me at the job when I'm working midday. Hey, are you feeling okay? Can I pray for you? Those are natural conversations I have now. <laughs> but at that time I was like, okay, but something shifted in that room. One by one, people started going up and getting prayed for. So what happened when you got in the chair? I got in the chair and the waterworks just sort of just flowed freely. Like, what is this liquid yeah, coming from my yeah. eyes? What? Oh. <laughs> I knew what was coming and I was ready for it. And I'm like, yeah. yes. I said, Lord, I want to be as close to you 
as I possibly can be. And I just felt the weight, a weight of the Holy Spirit just drop in that room. It was so thick. Mm. It felt like you could cut it with a knife, like, you know, a big thick butter knife that you're scooping butter and you're spreading it on bread, nice warm bread. That's what it felt like. It was a wonderful feeling. The Hebrew word for glory is weighty presence. Mm. The weight. When you describe the weight and the buttery presence. Yeah, yeah. That's a description from the Hebrew word of glory. Yeah, that's amazing. And that verse that you read, we go from glory to glory. That's right. Anyways, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, moment, maybe two hours. Slowly, one by one, the guys started emptying out of the chapel, and I just sat there. I didn't want to leave. Mm. I thought, Lord, if I leave, I'm going to miss out on this. And mm. I could remember just having that thought that he's like, no, you, you can take this with you too. Mm. The following day, it was a Sunday morning and we were just getting packed up and ready to leave. There was a big whiteboard on the wall and he said, uh, I challenge you guys, if there's something in your life that you want to have God work on, take a Sharpie and write it on the whiteboard. I went to the whiteboard and I grabbed the Sharpie and I wrote prayer because I didn't have a language to talk to my father in heaven. My language was always asking for a blessing over a meal or now I lay me down to sleep as a child. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a language that allowed me to just speak freely to him. I remember the very following day, I always get up early. I'm usually up at five o'clock every morning preparing for work. And I sat down and I had my Bible. I'm like, okay, so I open it up. And oh, I got to pray before I eat my oatmeal. And I started with my same old, okay, Lord, thank you for today. Please bless this day. And also I stopped myself. I'm like, no, no, this is all too familiar. So I said, Hey Lord, remember how I wrote prayer on the wall? Who can I pray for today? I clearly remember this vision just popping in my head and it was like a big TV screen and all of a sudden, boom, there's a face. It was someone familiar to me. So I started praying for that person and all of a sudden the image changed, boof, to another picture of someone Mm. else. And all of a sudden there was two TV screens in this vision and they were just going boom, 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 flicker, flicker. And all of a sudden the images are coming faster and faster and faster. And I'm like, whoa, my kitchen table laughing my head off. So I'm like, man, I get it. But he has a sense of humor and he's like, who do you want me to pray for? Like pick one. There's so many people to pray for. Mm. And anyways, so my prayer life just exploded from there. So that's kind of the start too, because you do have a prophetic sort of edge to you. You're a bit of a seer. So that's kind of where that started happening in your life. And then from there, can you tell me about your journey into worship? Um, That's another aspect, another day, right? I I love singing worship. I always did. Even as a kid, I love singing because I come from a family of singers. I'd always try to harmonize my mom enrolled me in a children's choir for a few years. And mm-hmm. through my journey, I decided I was going to take it a step further and take voice lessons. And about three months into taking voice lessons, the church that I was attending at the time, and I still am now, said, hey, uh, would you like to join us? On the worship team? Worship team. Okay. I had never done that before. And I was, so here I am, a 44-year-old man at the time. I've never been in front of a, a church singing anything. Yeah. And so I said to them, well, if I really suck... Just tell me, you know, like, just kick me off. Because I don't want to do it if I really Rip the bandit off. Just, yeah. Like, I won't cry too I won't, hard. I won't, it won't hurt my feelings. And so I started singing, and they said, can you do the harmonies? And I'm like, I'll give it my best shot. I started singing, and the harmonies just came. Yeah, so I've been part of the worship team now for about three years, and I've just been growing in that. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful expression. It's just ingrained in me now. So how has the Father changed your heart to worship then? Like when I'm standing on the stage and I'm worshiping and I look out, he's always having me kind of like 
survey. He's always proud of me. When the father's proud of you, you just right. you, you just receive it. This is my son Nolan, in who I am well yeah, pleased. Yeah, that's right. He tells me he loves me often. The love of the father over your life seems so extreme. You said he tells you that he loves you often. Yeah, that's right. How yeah. do you perceive that? Earlier, I I had mentioned how I used to compartmentalize who the father was. Yeah. And I put him in a box and yeah. I stacked all my boxes together. Every time I needed to draw upon my faith, I would well, go to my handy little box that has God in there and open it up and, oh, there you are. Yep. You know, I've been able to take all those boxes and understand that they are within who the father is. Okay. Okay. So my whole life has been encapsulated by the father. Any waking moment of time that I have that's free thought, it's, it's focused on him. And everything that falls in my life is within that realm. Mm. And I understand that he has it all in his hands. Mm. He holds it all. To me, that's amazing. So he holds my family in his hands and he holds my workplace in his hands. There's no more compartments. Within his love, I can keep my compartments, but he doesn't have a compartment anymore. He has it all. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that was a mic drop. Just like that? Just like that. Moving on. <laughs> Look at how sure she was of herself. That was impressive. I know a mic drop when I hear a mic drop, okay? <laughs> you heard it. You're like, that's it. Bam. <laughs> I... In you, you in me. That's yeah, what that I reminds think, me of. I think we've mentioned that. Before. Yeah, we've mentioned That's that a few good, times here on Let's Go Up. <laughs> yeah, like I love how powerful he meets you, even in these places where you think you don't deserve him. Mm. At your darkest, lowest hour, he meets you right there yeah. with that love. That's right. And when you share these stories that the world would tend to keep in a place of shame and condemnation, oh, there's a dark, shady part of my past, you just speak it with life because it's from the side of redemption mm. and there's no identity in that. You just see the father in that. That's right. Like that's what I hear when you're sharing the story yeah, yeah. and your path to him, how he gives you this Holy spirit experience at 15, but then you kind of live your life, you know, go along with the flow and he's not there ticked off and mad and rejecting you. He's still there when you think you deserve him the least. His love is so incredible that you hear it throughout your whole story and you say, I'm 44 and now I'm up here. He doesn't care how old you are. No, I know. I, yeah, He's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there. And the presence of his glory on your life is just so encouraging. Yeah. So, and then from that, not just the uh, the worship part of it, but I got to see like the characteristics of God coming through and yes. in other ways too. The prophetic has been a really big influence in my life. The last couple of years, healings, I've bore witness to transforming knees and backs. And I used to have a really bad knee, just wear and tear from years of construction, going up ladders with heavy objects. Yep. I remember going to, to the doctor and it was after a couple of years of excruciating pain. And he had said, you're too young for a replacement. He goes, but you're kind of trending towards that direction. But for now, all I can subscribe to you is some ointment and topical cream. and Ointment. Yeah, ointment. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I was so disappointed because I had this waiting list. I was on the mm -hmm. waiting list for like nine months just to see this guy. And he brushed me off in five minutes. Mm -hmm. So I remember feeling dejected. And I had people pray over my knees like over and over and over. And it just never felt the same. So I remember saying this, I don't need doctors. I'm going to start praying differently. I'm just going to start thanking God for the healing that he started. So actually, mm -hmm. that's what I started doing. Every day I would say, Lord, thank you for the healing that you started on my knee. Because I know you're a healer. My knee was just sore as sore can get. So I'd go out to work that day and I'd of course step up on the ladder. And that first twinge, I'd grit my teeth and I'd say, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Cause I know yes. you're going to heal me. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. It took about three months 
At about three months, my knee got better incrementally every day. Better, better, better. And then it was gone. This was probably about four and a half years ago now. So I use that as a testimony to people say, you know what? Mm -hmm. God heals my knee Mm -hmm. and he can heal you too. By his stripes, you are healed. That's right. So thank you, Father, that I'm healed. Take away all the distraction of what we're seeing and trying to fit what we're experiencing and seeing into the word and just taking the word as the word, as the life, as him. Like he said it. Thank you. I bring this to people that are asking for healing. and I've seen knees healed instantly when I prayed mm-hmm. for it. I'm like, just touch them. And you can just feel something shifting. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm praying. That's all I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm believing. That's yeah. Jesus is doing it. Mm. Right. And, and people walking out going, oh, my knee feels great. Once you've been through something and you gain a victory, yeah, I have a breakthrough, then you carry that. And then you can release that on other people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So... If I ever have a problem with a knee, I know who I'm coming to. Oh, yeah. Come on down. (laughs) Can I read you something that came to my mind when you were asking for more? It reminds me so much here in Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So I was thinking about this this week. If we can think about it and imagine it, like our wildest dreams, our wildest thoughts of what he can do, that's not it. It's even higher. Yeah, that's right. He's even better than that. He's better than that. Okay, so then you imagine the next better. It's better than that because it's above all you could ever imagine or think. Mm -hmm. So keep that bar high. He says it. (laughs) So good. (laughs) So good. I always like to remind the people like, hey, do you know that we're co-heirs with Christ? So we can do this, right? Because he gives us the authority to do it. Mm -hmm. And then I pray over it. You also seem to carry a deep sense of identity now. Mm. And that's changed since I first met you. Can you put some language to that? Because that's something that we all struggle with. That's something that every one of our listeners, you know, is going to be interested in hearing. Yeah. We always need to rehear it, right? That's right. Mm. The identity that I have in Christ is all in the, the book right here, really. It's just mm-hmm. in the Bible. Like I can comb through these pages and I can read the gospels. I can I can read Paul's letters. It's hard for me to put into words, to tell you the truth, what I am in Christ, but I know how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. I actually know that he adores us, mm-hmm. all of us. And when we can embrace that truth. Just receiving what he says about you in there. and Just receiving it. The gratitude you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. thank you, Lord that you have and you pretty much open anywhere and just see his promises and his provision and his word and just thanking him for it and that that's accessible to us now. I I wish I could put it into more eloquent words. It's Mm -hmm. just a feeling that my heart has been opened up and he just pours in. He's poured in so much into me that has actually allowed me to see people and love people differently than I used to. Mm. That's something that I wasn't able to do before. I didn't understand what it meant to love another person aside from my close family friends. When we identify with Jesus and we identify with his love, we can walk through any circumstance and look at people just a little bit differently Mm -hmm. and be able to love them, even if you don't even know them. Loving them with the love that he loved us with. It makes life so much funner. Yeah. Funner is funner a word? Now it is. So much better. Now it is. (laughs) So much better when we Funner. You know, the verse that says, we love because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. He first loved us. And then out of that love, we love. I had somebody tell me, I think it was just last week, 
for some reason we were talking about love in kind of a random way. And he turned to me and said, I believe that love is a family word. And that's how I view it. Immediately my mind went to thinking, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So neighbor is not a family. And then I thought of the verse, love those who despitefully use you. Love your enemy. Enemy is not a family. (laughs) What about the person on the street? What about the people that we don't know? Love actually isn't a family word. We're supposed to love everyone around us with the love of the Father. That's right. And we love out of that love that he loves us with. The Father so loved the cosmos, the whole creation. That's what the word world means, the cosmos. Yeah. That he gave his only son. So love is a huge word. It is a huge word. Responding to a harsh word with a kind one. Mm-hmm. What a shift, right? Yeah. Overcoming evil right. with really good. Does. Like it's just, it disarms the enemy, really. Disarms, like, that's what wait, yeah. what, what is this? <laughs> yeah. And it comes out of the kainos, new creation. All things are new. All yeah. things have passed away. Mm-hmm. Life. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things you've said that are going to stick with me are, you used to have compartments, And God used to be in one of the shelves, Mm -hmm. but now he encompasses everything. Yes. Everything is in him. (laughs) Yeah. That's profound. That is so cool. Another thing that you said is your identity now comes from how you know that you're loved. Another thing that's going to stick with me is just believe that he has healed us. Just start thanking him. Just thank him. Mm. Yeah. I feel like to end today... I would love for you to pray over our listeners. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you carry this sense of the heart of the Father. You actually are a Father. And so I see that in that you carry the love of the Father. I would like you to pray over our listeners that might not know the love of the Father. And also, I would like you to pray a prayer of healing. Yeah. If anything comes to you. Okay if the Holy Spirit shows you anything. Because there might be people out there that just need to reach out and have a point of contact for something in their body that they need Mm -hmm. to be healed. So those two things. Mm -hmm. For sure, absolutely. As to your listeners, uh, one of the more profound things that was said to me is, uh, so we believe that Jesus died for our sins, Mm -hmm. right? But have we ever asked the Father to father us? So I'd love for any of you that are out there, I'm going to pray this over you, Extend your hands and just ask the Father, like, Father, I know who your identity is. You have paid the price for me and that you have allowed me to become co-heirs with you. But Father, sometimes I've viewed you in the past as a distant, almost like an authoritarian presence. But Lord, you are so full of love and you want the best for us. So Father, I just pray right now for our listeners, would you father them and just receive that? Because he really does. When we understand what the heart of the Father is, how much he loves us, it just changes everything. Some of my prophetic's kicking in a little bit here, but I've sensed I need to pray into PTSD. I think there are some people out there that are really struggling with past traumas. Mm -hmm. And so, Jesus, I just pray that you just touch them right now. Just relieve them of anything that is bothering them, whether it is a mental stress or emotional. I just pray you would just touch their heart. Lord, thank you for what you started. Just Give them a gentle nudge. Let them know it's okay. Um, I feel a sense that there's a, an authoritarian person, like a police officer perhaps, listening, that listens online. I, earlier in this podcast, I had shared about my struggle with alcohol and getting actually a DUI. And I remember I had spoken so harshly to that officer. I want 
to tell you right now, whoever's listening, if you are a police officer, you are so cherished. You probably have gone through so much and listened to a lot of people call you down and try to get the one over on you or get the best of you. But you know what? You have such an important role in our society and Jesus loves you so much. And you are more than what your job says you are. You actually have a very pointed purpose in this life. And I just want to commend you for that because it's not an easy job. And a lot of PTSD probably comes through that too. So fathers pray that you would touch that individual or individuals, embrace them and let them know that they are so loved. They don't have to carry that weight anymore. Yeah. We thank you, Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nolan. Thanks guys. This is fun. So fun. Ascending conversations. Yep. <laughs> I felt like we went up. Yeah. <laughs> we did. Yeah, the air's thinner up here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not only is the air thinner, but you can also see further. Mm. Yeah. So today, Oof. if you're listening, like Nolan just said, receive that embrace from heaven. Yeah. That embrace from the Father. And that's where we're going to leave it today. All right. You're going to sing your Christmas carol now, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's not the time for Christmas carol. Um, it's Christmas time, Dean. It's a perfect now, time. Yeah, if now is not the time. When? When. <laughs> we have a harmonizer here and a one and a two. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I'm going to do this. No, let's just Dean. let's just steer in a different Are direction. Are you blushing? <laughs> <laughs> I like to throw him off. Right when he's wrapping things up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I'll do the formalities. I'll just... Yep. It's just the Viking coming out in her. <laughs> the Viking. That's right. Know. She didn't have any brothers. She needs a brother. To- you only had sisters too, I only right? Had so sisters, there's some. Yeah, I had three of them. So there's something. Me there. too. See, we can start a support group. Wait, does that would that work? <laughs> That's kind of opposite. Three sisters support group. <laughs> All right. So if you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure you hit like and subscribe, and or the notification bell, or you could share. And if you want to find out more about Let's Go Up, go to our website, letsgoup.us. So we're just leaving you with the love of the Father today, and we're saying goodbye, and we'll see you in a week's time. Have an awesome Christmassy week. Mm. Bye. Bye. Bye.